Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey, everybody, it's Jeff here once again with the Freedom Nation podcast, and we have another of our shows this week uh, where we're focusing on an entrepreneur that's out in the field, um, and we'll talk to Thomas Smale today. Thomas actually has a, an interesting background. He never really had a corporate job. Uh, he got out of college, and, and he went into his current business and has grown it immensely. So, you know, once again, another another person with a different angle or a different way that they've done it. So Thomas, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, Jeff. Thanks so much for inviting me on. I appreciate you uh, being on here today. Uh, let's start off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. So um, in t- 2010, I, I was at college. Uh, and I think like many college students, I was trying to find ways to make extra money all the way throughout college. So, so I started college in 2006. I graduated okay. in 2010. Um, I think in that time, I probably tried more ways than I would like to admit of like finding ways to make some extra money on the side. Um, I discovered probably around 2008, the concept of buying and selling domains and websites. Okay. Uh, the problem I had was I didn't have any money. So it was a case of what I would do back then is maybe buy a small website for $100. And then I'd look to resell it at the end of the month before my credit card bill was due to maybe $500 or $1,000. Um, it wasn't particularly technical. What I was generally buying is something that was not positioned very well, maybe prepackaged, and then essentially writing up a nicer sales pitch, putting it together so it seemed um, like a more legitimate opportunity and was making more from it that way. So that was really the first thing I ever found that worked and helped me make some extra money. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2010, the year I graduated, uh, so I, I went to university or college in the the UK. And I, okay. I moved out to the US after I started the the, the business to grow the business out here. Um, but back then, I graduated into a pretty bad year, so it was just coming out the back mm-hmm. of a recession. I did a business degree, so a lot of my peers were going to work for big investment banks. They were going into the corporate world. Um, Lots of companies back then were rescinding offers or similar to what you're seeing in the job market today in 2022. Companies were saying no. So I figured, why not, before I ever go into the corporate world, which was my plan all along, why not have a go at starting my own business? So somewhat out of necessity. So in 2010, I still didn't really have any money, even though I'd been making a little bit from buying and selling small websites. So I wrote a a book about it. um, And it was a book. It had a online forum, had some coaching, had some like other resources. Uh, and it was essentially just a book about what I was doing, how I was making some money. Um, got fortunate that that took off, got a little bit of traction that was making at the time, I think about $5,000 a month. And back in 2010, hey, student, and, and as a broke me, college student, that's five grand a month is good, man. That, that was a huge amount. So it was enough to pay um, rent. I didn't have to live didn't have to go home to live with my parents or anything like that. I could afford, um, could afford rent. I could afford to 
to live, could afford to pay like business overheads and things like that. Um, so that's why that's why I launched at the time. It was basically just selling selling books. Yeah. Um, and then what we do today is we help people sell businesses themselves. So how that came about is people would read the book and they were like, "Hey Thomas, I read your book. It's great. Thanks for the help. But actually, I just want someone to sell my business for me." So yeah. essentially, that's how I stumbled into what we do today, which is M and A or mergers and acquisitions. Which I guess the non technical term for that is we help people sell businesses so fell into it essentially by accident off the back of the book um at the time if you don't know anything about the industry if you have a tech business today there are probably a hundred companies you could call that could help you and would have a reasonable understanding of the industry back in 2010 there was basically no one it didn't really exist if you had a business worth less than a hundred million dollars there was basically no one you could call you could try sell it yourself you could go to a traditional business broker, but they wouldn't know anything about your industry. So that was really the gap I found back then. Uh, and then since then, it really grew in the early years through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, we were the only ones really doing what we were doing at any sort of volume or seriousness. Um, and then it really just grew from there. I guess I never had to go get a job, fortunately, because it continued to compound um today we've launched like more things over the years although the core business is primarily sell side m a so representing yep. the seller um and we're now over 130 people uh we have four offices in the us an office in london a team all over the world that's amazing yeah well the best part is you didn't have to move home like half of your generation did it was exactly <laughs> and a lot of them are still at home yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, the the problem is, you, yeah, I'm a I'm a you know VP of uh, of M and A, and I'm still living in my mother's basement at this point. But <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. But see, either way, that was a kind of like high level story from the start. Oh yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, you know, somebody has let's say built a successful website. Uh, they have reached that point where they're looking for you know that monetization of how do I unplug what are some of the steps that you take when you're uh, when you're starting out with a new client that says hey thomas i want you to sell my business for me yeah so the very first thing we do and i think this is important in any service business is establishing if the business is a good fit okay. so we have certain criteria we want to look at in a business it will slightly depend on the business model it will slightly depend on the founder but various different factors we look at mm-hmm. so we start with that and then we combine it with a free valuation. So the purpose of the free valuation is also to establish expectations with the client. So if you come to me and say, Hey, Thomas, I want to sell my business. And I say, Jeff, I love your business. You think mm-hmm. it's worth $10 million. And you say, uh, Thomas, actually, I want 25 million. And mm-hmm. we're probably not a fit because we're going to be wasting your time and ours to not get you 25 million. Mm-hmm. We'll come to you with what we think are great offers around $10 million. And you're going to say, no, I want 25. Mm. So that's the start of our process. Um, Sets clear expectations with a potential seller. It gives them a little bit of an idea about how we work. We have quite a set process we follow. If you come to us and say, hey, I want to sell my business. Here's the process I want you to follow. We generally will not do that at all. We have our own process. We follow that. Yes, there might be some exceptions with certain parts of it, or mm. if sellers want to tweak part of it because they want they don't want competitors to see they're selling their business or whatever, then we'll we'll happily do that. 
Um, yeah. So that's always been the very start of our process, kind of setting clear expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people don't want to sell right now. They might be yeah. like you. They might have a $25 million business. We think it's worth 10. That mm. doesn't mean, no, they're never going to be a fit. It probably just means, no, they're not a fit today. Sure. So we'll keep in contact and maybe work with them in future. So yeah. one of the think, good things about building a business with the long term in mind is we're 12 years in to the mm. business today and we have clients come into us who we first spoke to 10 years ago. Nice. And they're like, hey guys, we spoke 10 years ago. Uh, I'm actually ready to sell now. Yeah. Or maybe we spoke in 2013 or 2015. Um, so o- over time, the compounding effect of giving people good advice at the time really mm-hmm. comes to fruition. Well, sometimes it's a bit of a slap in the face for someone to tell you you have an ugly baby and you know, you just need to pretty your baby up before you can before you can go out there and try and sell it. Yeah, I think the way we always position it is, I mean, we have a good reputation for being direct and honest with people. Yeah. You you could call multiple companies who'll say, hey, yeah, your business is worth 25 million. But then you'll come back in six months' time and be like, hey, Thomas, all we got was offers that, well, you probably won't get any offers if you overprice it. Similar yeah. if you're trying to sell a house. I think almost everyone would know if you have a, $10 million house. If you put it on the market for 25 million, you're not going to get any offers at all. No, it's exactly the no. same with a, a business. So it's not necessarily telling them they have an ugly baby. It's more along the lines of yeah. this is the objective it's, view. Here's of a reality. Where you are. Yeah. Um, and it's still a, ultimately the way I look at it is it's still a great success. You built a $10 million business. That's a fantastic outcome. Yeah. Um, well, hard most, conversation. Yeah, most of these people, especially in your market, most of these people grow this or grew this from literally in their, garage or their apartment so you made 10 million dollars take it and run (laughs) exactly most of them have probably started from zero yeah the outcome is still fantastic and and they're always going to be limited by their capabilities at that point i mean that they're they're not a you know 150 million 200 million dollar business where they can afford to hire in a ceo to come in and really take it to that next level it's the founder still running it and you know they're they're going to be limited by what the founder can do at that point. Exactly, and that's often why founders choose to sell is yeah. because they've taken the business as far as they can. And sometimes also it's just like the financial side of it. Like you mm-hmm. can sell if you sell for. See, it depends where you live in the world. But yeah. I live just outside San Francisco, so probably the most expensive place in the world. You sell a business for ten million dollars, and you bank all of that because you have no outside shareholders, no business partners. That's financial independence, sure. basically anywhere. Yeah, which is fantastic, and you know, and like I said, you you serve a purpose because the you know a lot of those folks wouldn't even know where to begin to go. So it's fantastic that you're out there. Uh, I've worked with a lot of business brokers over the years, but I don't think I've run into to you in a in a long time. So this is uh, it's actually really cool to have you on here to talk about that. So you know, what are what are some of the things if somebody's sitting out there today and they're thinking about, hey, I've grown a successful business, I've you know got multi-millions of dollars coming in per year. Um, I'm thinking about selling. What are some of the things that you want, you would want them to do prior to even, you know, engaging with you? Yeah. So the two most important things, one, and this is a boring stuff. One is <laughs> keeping clean financials. Okay. Um, it always, not necessarily amazes me because I've been doing it a long time now, but I think many people would be surprised how messy the financials of any almost any size business yep. can be. I'm definitely not perfect within my own business. I'm mm. an eight-figure a year company. Books are definitely not perfect. Same in any other business. But 
if you are going to sell, yeah, your books do have to be in, in line, at least for the last, I'd say, 12 months. Okay. It's fine if they're a mess in the past, but hire a bookkeeper. Yeah. If you have a business of any, don't. I'm not suggesting do it yourself, but hire a bookkeeper. Mm-hmm. A good bookkeeper really is not expensive. And also yeah. the way you should really look at paying for a bookkeeper and an accountant is you should re- they should really be saving you money as well. So That's exactly yes, correct. you might have to pay them, but a good one will save you money in the long run. Even if it's just as simple, if you're in the in the US, saving you getting fined by the IRS mm-hmm. and having to pay interest because you've not calculated your taxes properly. Yeah. So just on a simple level, it's always worth doing. Um, the second thing, and this is from a non-technical perspective, the most important mm-hmm. is establishing what you're actually trying to achieve. Okay. So lots of people come and they're like, hey, I want to sell my business. And it's like, <laughs> well, what do you want for it? Almost everyone has some sort of goal in their head. And it's usually either one of two things. It's either a financial-based goal. Mm. So my financial advisor or whoever told me I need to sell my business for 25 million. So mm. that's what I want. Or it's a time-based goal. Like, yeah. hey, hey, Thomas, hey, Jeff, I'm really tired. Mm. I want to sell my business by the end of next year so I can retire or my kids are going to college or yeah. all sorts of different life scenarios that, that happen that people may want to, to sell for. But if you don't have clear expectations, then it's impossible for me to help you because in the example I gave earlier of, I think your business is worth 10 million, you want 25. That's then quite easy for us to work together and come up with a plan, how to make your business Mm -hmm. worth 25 million. But if we say, hey, you're worth 10 and you say, oh, I just want more than that, is more 12 million, is Mm -hmm. more 100 million. And the difference between building a $10 million business to 12 or to a hundred is vastly different. Oh yeah. <laughs> Trying to start to get to 12. You probably in most cases just have to do the same thing you've been doing for another year. And then yep. your business is probably gonna be worth more to get to a hundred. You probably need to do something drastically different. So setting expectations is important. Mm-hmm. And that's also part of the reason we offer free valuations. Okay. Cause a lot of people really don't know what their business is. Oh, they're, they're clueless. Yeah. And they can't <laughs> even start thinking about what they would like to, aim for what they would like to achieve until they've got that number. And some people Mm. might also change their goal. Some people might say, you might come to us and say, okay, I want 25 million for my $10 million business. Mm. And then you might actually run it for another six months, not really grow it much and say, Hey Thomas, actually, we just want to get to 12 million. Can Mm. can you help me do that? Or you might come to us with a business and think, Oh, there's no way my business can be sold. I don't really think it's worth anything. Maybe someone will pay a million and we'll tell you it's worth 10. Yeah. And then your goals might change again. You might say, actually, uh, I'm no longer tired. I no longer <laughs> feel burnt out. I'm actually super motivated to grow it to the, the next level. So sure. that's the way we look at it. We set expectations early on, but ultimately it's on a business owner to decide sure. where they want to get the business well, to. Well, you know, and it's funny because in my business, I see it kind of from the other side of the coin. So, you know, I help those business owners prepare from a financial perspective for that exit. And, it's so funny that, you know, people are one, they, they never know what the value of their business is. They either wildly underestimate or wildly overestimate it. I, I very few times find somebody that hits it right on the money. Um, and the worst case, you know, the worst scenario is when somebody doesn't really, they, they come to me after they've sold the business and, you know, it's, you have this conversation with them and, well, yeah, I got the biggest check I've ever seen in my life. And you do the math and it's like, well, yeah, but you're going to be out of that money in 
about seven to eight years. So what are you going to do for your, you know, your, your 40, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? <laughs> yeah, point, it, so. it, it, exactly. Um, so we don't really offer the financial advice on the back yeah. end. We really just tell them what they're worth today. Sure. And we let people figure it out for themselves because yeah. people have different lifestyles. People live in different places in the world. Some yeah. people have five kids. Some people have no kids. Some people are single. Some people have been divorced three times. Mm-hmm. You never really know. Yeah. Well, and so many people have, you know, early on, I mean, I, I don't know your clientele, but, you know, a few of uh, a few of our clientele, you know, I mean, early on when they were a founder, they've given up equity here and there, given it up to their employees and all that. And, you know, yeah, you might sell the business for 10 million, but what are you going to net out of the business at yeah. that point? You know, so that you've got to really understand those, those perspectives. So, you know, I always look at it as a partnership between whoever's doing the, the M&A work and, and us when we're trying to figure that out of, of, okay, you know, is this going to be enough? Can they take, you know, can they take 10 million now and go, and maybe they net after taxes, 7 million? Well, is that enough for them to live on? Or should they wait that extra few years, maybe get it to 12 or 15? Yeah, exactly. I think that's a good way of thinking about it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, is there anything new in your business that you've got coming up here anytime soon? So one thing, we're working on at the moment and it's not launched yet. So it's really just like in planning yeah. phase is working with buyers who want to buy a business and kind of offering a service to them. Okay. At the moment, if you come to us, we work with sellers, sellers are the mm. ones who pay us. If you're a buyer, all we can really do is offer you what we're currently representing on the sales side. Yeah. But if you say, Hey, I have a corporate job. I make half a million a year. Um, I've been pre-qualified for a loan or I have, uh, kind of, I'm fortunate to have a, a well-off family and they've loaned me $5 million to go buy business. Mm-hmm. We don't currently have a service we can offer them yeah. to help through that process. So one of the things we're working on is something like that, because particularly in the US, and that's part mm-hmm. of the reason I, I moved here, kind of the American dream, big part of that is kind of owning your own financial freedom or owning a business, sure. essentially. So there's an unlimited number of people in the US who want to buy a business. And I'd love to be able to offer kind of a slightly broader range of things to them rather than just buy one of these 25 businesses we're representing or, mm. or nothing. So that's one of the things we're working on this year. And as we've grown as a business, like I said, we're kind of over 130 people now, mm-hmm. primarily just do sell side MA. It feels okay. like it's a good time to start doing. Yeah, offering a well, I yeah. I mean, I, I've noticed a lot of my business brokers that I work with too are kind of doing the same thing because they're just finding, you know, they're they're running into people or they're getting people referred to them that, hey, I'm, you know, I am that corporate guy and I'm, you know, I'm getting to the end of the line. I want to do something different and I don't want to go out and start a business from ground zero. I just want to buy one and go. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's I, a cool service. I, what I think is a lot of people who are adjusting from the corporate world actually mm. do much better buying an established business yep. rather than starting one from zero. Starting mm. one from zero requires certain skills and certain mindsets that a lot of people don't have. Mm. If you're used to managing a team of 50 people, maybe you're a successful VP or a director, mm. take, trying to start a business from zero is difficult because you're like, well, where's the team? Who am I managing? Yeah. There's no one to manage. You have to figure it out yourself. Yeah, these people can do really well taking over a business with a team sure. of 10 because they will put good structure in place. They'll manage them properly. They'll delegate properly. They'll build a strategy. Um, they'll formalize processes that previously didn't exist. 
Mm-hmm. So they can quite often take a million dollar business and turn it into a $10 million business. Sure. Um, and then ultimately it doesn't really matter how much money you borrowed at the start or what terms you gave to investors because you've 10x the investment. Of course. That's fantastic. Well, I think that, I mean, I, that sounds like a phenomenal service. So I, I think, you know, people should keep that in mind as y'all are, are continuing to grow that out. Well, are we ready for the fast five questions now? Absolutely. All right, let's crank it off here. So first off, first question, you wake up in the morning, you, your business is totally gone. You still have the knowledge in your head, 500 bucks in your pocket, laptop, computer, place to live, food and drink. What do you do first? I would start another service business. I like okay. service businesses because you don't need any money. Essentially, you just need time. So if I suddenly had no business, I'd have all my time back because my diary would be empty. Um, so any sort of service business, and I would always present it as a business rather than as a freelancer. I feel like yeah. people take businesses more seriously and are happy to pay more for a business. Whereas with freelancers, I think a lot of people think freelancers should be cheap. So you can make yeah. a much higher hourly rate positioning it as a business, even if it's just you. Yeah. So that's what I would do. I'll just find a skill I could sell and do that. And I guess there are lots of different things if it's just you really early on and anybody listening to this podcast has a skill that someone will pay for. So mm-hmm. launch a business around that doesn't really yeah. cost anything. It just costs you time. And maybe it's, maybe at the beginning you're doing more selling time for money and you transition that to selling knowledge for money over time. That's exactly what you'd be doing early on. Like selling knowledge is, is easy Yeah. over time. Like how to scale that is a different problem. But Correct. if you literally have no money, but you have a laptop and you have a place to live, then a service business exchanging your time for that is a great way to get started. Absolutely. What's the biggest business mistake that you've made? Early on, and this is still saying now, it's just lack of focus. Mm. Um, I was generally quite good early on at finding different things that would make money, but I would have 10 things that were making money and I'd be half focused on all of them. Mm. But yeah. The business has grown substantially since we doubled down on just sell-side M&A. So got yeah. really good at one thing, best in the world at one thing that will build you an eight-figure business. Being top 100 in the world at 10 different things, you probably won't. Probably one of my favorite uh, my favorite sayings that I've seen, I, I put it out occasionally, um, try not to half, uh, uh, don't half-ass anything, whole-ass everything. So- <laughs> I think that's a, it's a really good quote. I, I, com- I completely agree. <laughs> I think people underestimate how much more you can achieve by being like the top percentile at one thing rather than yeah. reasonably good at lots of things. Yeah. And I, I, I've fallen into that trap myself. I mean, I'm interested in so many different things and I, I can do them. I'm good at them, but you know, it's like one, once I sat down and said, okay, what is it that I love doing that I could just do every day and not get tired of it? You know, that's when things really took off in my own business. So I totally agree with you. What's a good book that you would recommend for our audience? So I like Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. It's the high-level concept of Tipping Point is that mm. you can do some things for a very long time, and at some stage, they reach a stage which is like Tipping Point where mm. things completely change. Yeah. Um, so it may be hiring a first employee. It may be finding a new marketing channel. It might be a new pricing scheme. It might be a new website. It might be a podcast you're interviewed on. It could be mm. all sorts of different things, but every business... And this applies to your personal life as well. There's always a stage where I think a lot of people, the reason this is relevant, a lot of people give up too early. Mm -hmm. So, hey, I want to quit my job. 
you work on something kind of in the evenings for six months, hasn't made you any money. So people give up. Yeah. The people who are successful are the ones who carried on going for another three years. They didn't mm-hmm. necessarily do anything better. They just carried they just on kept until going. you reached that tipping yeah. point. <laughs> exactly. So that's really the concept of the book. I read yeah. it many years ago. And I, I like to remind myself that sometimes you won't necessarily see the reward of your hard work immediately. But if you hang around, then you will eventually. But, get well, there. sometimes you just outlast everybody else that's doing what you do. Um, you know, I, I run co-working spaces and uh, I, I can't tell you how many people I've seen over the years. It's around the 18 month time period is really where I say, uh, you know, you, the first year, it's awesome. Everything is great. You know, you're not making any money, but it's fun because you're building something. And then that second year is what I call the suck. And by six months into that second year, if you if you can make it past that, you're probably going to survive. Uh, because I've seen so many people at, at 18 months just give up because, you know, it's no longer fun and I'm not making any money. So I'm just going to go get a job again. And they bail. I agree. Most people don't really start making a living until they're no. three years in. I think I was almost nearly 10 years in until mm-hmm. I started getting paid the equivalent of whatever I got paid in a full-time job. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It took us, I mean, in my, well, yeah, it was about three, three and a half, four years to get back to what I was making at a corporate job, you know, five, six years ago. Yeah. So yeah, it's, you, you better be willing to, to suck it up a little bit and figure out how to, how to stretch your budget a little bit more, but for you, it actually worked out pretty good because you were a college student to begin with. So, oh, well, my baseline was zero. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess making the equivalent of what I could have made in the corporate world did take some time, sure. and then that took time. But you were still making money. So, oh yeah, for sure, I could keep keep the lights on and eat at least. <laughs> What's a tool that you use in your business every day? Uh, I always use the example of an Evernote in those so, cases. So mine is kind of boring, but I use my Outlook calendar uh-huh. all the time. To my point earlier about focus, I have always struggled with focus. Mm-hmm. And I find that if I have my diary organized, usually a week in advance, but it might change day by day, yeah. I can block out time for things I need to be doing and be very disciplined around that. And I don't really like using fancy tools. I just find uh-huh. if it's in one place, I have a um, a double monitor set up. Usually mm-hmm. on one half of my monitor is my email and my calendar. And it's up yep. all the time. So I can always see what's going on. And it keeps me focused because if I'm supposed to be uh, doing one thing, but I'm actually currently doing something else, then Mm. I know that I need to get focused and do that one thing. Well, that's fantastic. So what if somebody wants to get in contact with you? What's the best way? Yes. If you're thinking about buying or selling a business, Mm -hmm. maybe you want to get a free valuation. Maybe you're thinking about buying one. The best thing to do is go to the feinternational.com um, website you can browse around should be self-explanatory how to get to where you want to get and mm-hmm. then if you have questions about a particular business or you want evaluation if you reach out someone in the team will get in contact with you if you want to find me personally generally i'm most active on twitter or linkedin so it should be relatively easy to find okay. you can always send me a message there I, I personally or via my assistant will reply to everyone so either of those two mediums are good Twitter and LinkedIn. All right, cool. Well, good, my friend. I appreciate it. This was, uh, it was fantastic. Uh, interesting, interesting conversation. I love your business because uh, I think there's a ton of people that are out there just slugging it away, building businesses and not really having an idea of what that, what that looks like from an exit strategy point. So I appreciate the time that you took today.
Yeah, thanks, Jeff. This was fun. I really appreciate you inviting me on. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, guys, thank you for joining us on the show again. As always, we publish Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to the channel right down over here. Um, and we will uh, make sure that we uh, put out a little thing right beforehand. So thanks a lot. And we'll see you back here next time. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.